Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and welcome to another episode of the Mate Motherhood Diverse Podcast. I am your host, Rami Sade, and today we are going to be talking about money, 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 money. <laughs> uh, so, in the news this week, there has been so much talk about so many different things, and we're going to get into one of those things in a minute. But before we do, I'd like to share with you a story about um, an unconventional route to motherhood. In fact, I don't even like to use the word unconventional because in this day and age, I think that motherhood is conventional. And so however somebody gets there or whatever route they take should be respected equally as much as if they were a um, birth <clears throat> birth parent. Um, so the story this week is that a woman in Massachusetts adopted a baby girl, she's a nurse, uh, adopted a baby girl who had no visitors for over five months. Um, during that time, she was cared for solely by the nurses at the hospital. Um, and they said that they did find her birth family, actually. Um, and they tried to place her with her birth family. Unfortunately, that relationship broke down. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because the little girl was born with neonatal abstinence syndrome, which is usually when a, in fact, I say usually because I don't know much about it, but I think it is actually just when um, the mum is addicted to a substance or a narcotic and then the child is also born going through withdrawal, actually, because of that. Um, and it says here that she weighed just under two pounds um, which is, in fact, she was born prematurely. I was about to say, it's usually the weight of a baby who's born prematurely. She was born prematurely. Um, and yeah, she didn't have any visitors for five whole months. And then the, <clears throat> the nurse who was actually not working at the hospital, she's the director of nursing for that hospital. She was just walking around through the hospital and she spotted her. Um, and she said to the Washington Post, since I met her, there was something behind her striking blue cap blue eyes capturing my attention. Um, it felt that I needed to love this child and keep her safe. And I just wanted to share that with you because it's very um, heartwarming to know that there are still people out there in the world who just see babies and fall in love. <laughs> I think that right now the conversation in motherhood is very politicized which it should be um and that's because of you know where the world is at and the climate in the world at the moment but i also think it's very beautiful to be able to share stories like this where actually it's just a mum's love um and that was the deciding factor in it, the course of a baby's life um and i think that that is something that we should definitely take a moment to think about and to celebrate now as you know, I just said that the current climate around motherhood is politicised, which brings me on to my next topic. I would love to say I'm going to try and breeze through this, but I don't think I'll be able to breeze through it just because it is quite a weighty topic. And that is Amber Rudd and um, her quotes recently about universal credit and what she intends to do um so she has acknowledged that the welfare system has real problems a lot of people who are on universal credit have said that they are finding it hard to survive make ends meet they're finding it hard to uh, balance the finances across the board of their home or their life um and the amount that that they receive is not um, a huge amount. It's nothing to write home about. And there are often delays as well. It's been a huge complaint, um, often delays with payments. However, I think the best way to have this conversation properly is to have this conversation with somebody who is currently going through things and open to talking about it. And because of that, tomorrow morning on the 10th, of April. Sorry, I just had to check my laptop there. Tomorrow morning on the 10th of April, we have a special guest taking over Make Motherhood Diverse's Instagram account. 
um, and her name is Erin. She runs a blog called No Andero Blog. She's a mum of two and she is uh, also on Universal Credit. So she's going to be doing a takeover all about her experience on Universal Credit. Um, the government have also had a bit of a shake-up recently. Um, and they have launched a back-to-work scheme. And they've said that this back-to-work scheme has released over 50,000 part-time jobs that single mothers can do. That's specifically what Amber Rudd said, so I have to quote her accurately. Um, the idea is that this will then enable women or enable mums to work without having so much of their universal credit removed because effectively two month salaries um if that's earned in one month then that means that they wouldn't be entitled to anything however two month salaries um in a job that isn't always necessarily a career path which it shouldn't always have to be sometimes it just needs to pay the bills but uh, um two month salaries in a job that is not paying highly might not actually cover much and so this is the problem that people are facing at the moment and so because of that Amber Rudd has decided that the best way to combat that is to launch this work initiative um hopefully you know we'll see what happens and hopefully it does benefit quite a few women because the flip side or the I shouldn't say flip side the antithesis of creating a new pathway for different types of people not just single mums because it's not only single mums who are unemployed in this country um is to do something about it so i try to be hopeful and diplomatic <laughs> and open to the possibility of what may happen um now this week i sat down with a woman who is quite simply phenomenal um when she was my age which is 25 she managed to I don't even know if the word is work I would say she managed to learn and grow and work her way out of £60,000 worth of debt um, and now she is a travel writer or should I say budding travel writer um, who's very good at it and she travels all over the world with her family as well um, and so we sat down and we had a really good conversation and I will catch you on the other side I hope you enjoy it I am here with Kathleen. Would you like to introduce yourself? I would love to hear how you would introduce me. I would describe you as my personal resident travel influencer, like family travel influencer. Because I, but I, I watch, like I seek out your stories because I mean, her feed is like beautiful, but I don't feel like it's too curated. Like you just post what you're doing when you're with your kids in like the most beautiful places in the world. Well, I'll take that. And thank you for having me on. Oh, no you worries. are just one of my favorite, favorite people in this crazy, oh, crazy world. Thank you, girl. And thank knowing you, that you're a London you. girl. Yeah, no, and no. I am in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you originally from? Yeah, you can probably tell from my accent that I'm not born and bred London. No. But I'm from Maine, which is a small state above Boston and New York kind of northeast United States of America. Near Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Where, what is the capital of Maine, random? Augusta. Okay, I've never heard of that. Is yeah, it weird? no, I've that's like a Maine. fun fact. I've heard of Maine, but I've never heard of the capital. It's where Maine. America's Day begins. It's where the sun hits America at Acadia National Park. Oh. And it's the only state that borders one other state. Every other state touches, except for... Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah. But if it's going to touch a state in the continental US, Maine only touches one. This is so specific. I study geography and I don't know any of this. So well, this that's very, cool. that's like you study Maine for an entire year in fourth grade. So when you're like 10 Maine. years old. Yeah. And there's not that much to know. So you get to know like some nitty gritty details. Does, um, so does everyone like in the US do that? Like they study their I state. think I think it's across the board. Like you study mm. your home state for that year. So the reason that I have asked you to come on here is to talk about two things, which I guess are important to both of us: um, travel and money. So we started talking about finances in the DMs um, and just like DMs on Instagram, by the way, for those who don't know. And, and we were just talking about like 
female financial independence and financial freedom and you uh, wrote a post on your Instagram where you basically was like, I am like quitting my job because I've saved up and put myself in this position where I'm financially able to do that. And it took me a while to get here and I'm really proud of that. So my first question is, why did you think it was important to learn about money? So I started learning about money when I found myself, well, one, I grew up without any money. And, and it was always, you know, I still think of myself as a, like emotionally poor. <laughs> like, <laughs> like in my mind, I'm still poor a lot of times because I think it's a mindset. I think there's being broke and there's being poor. And broke, you can, is a temporary thing. And poor is forever, like, can be forever. Mm. And so sometimes that's still with me. And so I, when I found myself actually broke in my 20s, I was, if you knew me, I, you, I owed you money. Like, if I looked you in the eye, I owed you money. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, I was borrowing people's two passes so I could get around. Like, if I heard someone was going on holiday, I'd be like, can I borrow your two pass while you're on holiday? Oh, wow. And so you were really resourceful as well. I was, oh yeah. I mean, because I'm a survivor in that kind of way. Like, mm-hmm. coming from... Uh, a difficult childhood background like I can kind of think of things but I was just I was 60 grand in debt and yeah sorry my mouth just opened (laughs) wide because like I would never ever know this from like talking to you and like in my head I'm like she's the money guru she knows all this stuff about like how to be like a rich or not rich but how to be like a financially sustained woman yeah but I guess this is this would be why like because you've had to figure it out. Yeah, so I, but the, so when I, so I paid for uni, um, and that put me about 40 grand. And you went to uni in the States. Uni in the States. But I actually got tons of scholarships and things. I just lived beyond my means. Okay. Because I could get loans to sustain my lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) And also I started traveling through university. I did a few exchanges I just would take a little bit extra where there was extra to take. Mm-hmm. Um, then I moved over here in, in 2005 and did a law degree here. Okay. That was also paid for. I was very, very fortunate because I had a training contract and the law firm paid for it, but I borrowed money to live on. And again, like just wasn't, was kind of thinking I'm broke, so I don't need to really watch my money because there's no money to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and then I knew that when I finished uni, I would have a job because that was lined up. So I was really lucky in that regard. But I started reading in the months before I started my job. I started reading about, like, how do people do this? Like, I remember some of the first books I read, like, um, sorry, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Was one of the first yeah, books yeah, I read. Book, yeah. But then I was like getting, sometimes I would read things and be like, just get all anxious because I'm like, I have no money to invest. Like, why do I need to learn about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also read this book, which I don't even know if it's famous, but it's called What's, What's Your Number? And it just started making me think of like, what is my number for retirement? And I was, mm. I don't know, 25, 26 had never had, was 60 grand in debt, but it was like, oh, okay, what, what is my number? And how do I get to that? And like, how does that work? And just started reading and reading because I was like, maybe I could educate myself out of this. Just like I educated myself out of lots of other circumstances. Yeah. I mean, that's a really fair point. And I wonder like, so what does financial independence mean to you? Like, what is your, not your number, but what is your definition or what does it, like, how does it look? So for me, it looks like being able, not being tied to a job that I don't like. And so now what, so right now, like I have this freelance life. um, And so financial independence to me is like being able to pick my kid up from school. It's being able to drop him off. It's... Mm -hmm. It's getting, but still working and getting to work on things that I really enjoy. And I feel like that is the biggest privilege I could have ever imagined in life Mm -hmm. because I used to be someone who worked at a job, not that I completely disliked, but that just totally run, would run me into the ground. And I just thought whenever people would talk about, oh, do what you love. (laughs) 
And it's like, you jerks. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't have to earn a pay. Like, that yeah. is such a privileged position to be coming from, to mm-hmm. be able to do what you love. Or, like, my sister, who I hope won't listen to this, like, <laughs> would, would always say to me, like, you don't help people. Like, you have money because you don't help people. Uh, and, like, be, and she's a teacher. And, and I was like, I would love to do things like that. I would love to help people. But, like, I need to get myself out of this mess I'm in. Hmm. Like, I need to work. And I'm really lucky to be able to have an, a high-earning career that I had. Um, but I think the most important thing, and we can get up, is that you have a plan even before you get money. Because that was what was so good, is that I had a plan. And so I knew, like, you know, I paid for my lights, my bills, my, you know, essential things first, food on the table, um, paying people back, yeah. especially individuals. I paid them back first. Yeah. Um, then kind of high interest credit cards and then my student loans. And then, so, I, so there was an order of priority and depending on how much money came in, and it was a very set amount of money, but I would then kind of, go through the order but then when more when my paychecks increased it meant i already knew where the money was going okay i was going to ask you actually so you obviously said that you read books but how did you learn about financial independence because you know you said you had a plan but you had to like digest certain information or go to certain places to get get what you needed to know how to like devise a plan that was gonna work and not put you in more financial stress or make things worse for you. So the plan that I followed was called Dave Ramsey and there's plenty of things not to like about him, Um, but his plan itself is really solid. And he had podcasts back before anyone was doing podcasts, so Mm -hmm. I listened to it in 2009. (laughs) Time ago. (laughs) Yeah, time, a time ago. But that was when, actually it was 2008. Let me think about it. Um, and that was, yeah, it, it was just like, I, you list your debts, smallest to largest, and you pay them off. So it was the first time I'd ever heard that, that you pay off people first. That He really talks about how debt is emotional mm-hmm. and how money, just speaking about the emotional, the blocks that you have with it um, and why looking at me why I was going into debt why I I wanted to show the world something that wasn't me actually authentically me and this is before Instagram before I wasn't even doing it for anything except were you even thinking about your spending habits in that way I wasn't I was thinking I don't have money so I don't really need to plan with it like if you have no money yeah, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to yeah, lose. Yeah, yeah, like, nothing like to whether lose. I put five dollars towards this debt or zero dollars. I don't even know why I'm talking about dollars, but thinking about <laughs> it was all pounds. But whether I put zero pounds towards something or I put five pounds, it didn't seem like that would ever make a difference. Mm. And then there was obviously a big jump because by the time you had your first son, you if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd gone on like almost like a sabbatical traveling family thing on your first maternity leave yeah so how did you get from like yeah. getting or like what was was there um an arc between like having your first child and like getting yourself out of this debt that kind of you knew that was the next plan or was it kind of just like it, we're, we're just winging it now so from 2008 which is when I really started this journey, like that's starting at negative 60,000 pounds to 2015 when my son was born. So that's like six years, six years, six, seven years. Yeah. I worked my tail off. I mean, in, in that time I was sing- so single started out 2008. I'm single. I'm going through a lot of emotional stuff, mm-hmm. starting my first job. I'm, buckling under the pressure. I'm in serious debt. I was my roommate like was I lived in Bethnal Green and she was moving out because she didn't want to live with me. <laughs> um, I was thinking about taking basically like a tiny room in Shadwell to like 
because I couldn't afford rent. Like, I, my rent I was looking at was 300 pounds a month. Okay. Like, that was, like, my budget. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was quite limited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so things, so going from that to traveling around the world in 2016 with my family, I mean, major things that happened, like, I, I definitely, I met my husband. Um, and what was really interesting about that is that he worked at a bank, so I assumed he made bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all my answers, all of them in this man. So then, without going too far, it turned out he was in more consumer debt than I was. No way. Yeah, he didn't have, and he had some student loans too. And I was super judgy because I'm like, you've been earning for years. Like, how are you in debt? (laughs) You were judging him. Yeah. (laughs) So actually, the two of us, when we were dating, started taking like, we started doing budgets together, but keeping it all separate. And he, he's a man who likes a plan. So once he's on board with something, he's very driven. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have a plan before. So that was interesting because it was just, he would, and I remember when we were dating, like he'd buy a round of drinks for whomever. He'd go on holiday, not think about it. And he knew he'd be, he had this kind of thought that he'd always be earning Mm-hmm. Well, I always came at work like I'll never be earning again. So like yeah. I better, like I better like use this yeah. because who knows? But um, I, I definitely can relate to that. Obviously, I don't know how your husband grew up, but I no. know when you grow up in a certain level of poverty, or or you experience it. Maybe you don't grow up in it, but when you experience a certain level of true poverty, the idea in the back of your head is that day may come again. Be prepared. Yeah. Not that day will never come again. So it's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's like a really different way of looking at things. He was the first person I ever met or ever went grocery shopping with who didn't look at one price. He just picks things (laughs) up. Like, oh, that cheese? I'll just take that one because Mm -hmm. I like that cheese. I'm like, no, I'm going to compare seven different cheese prices Yeah, and go down to the unit price so I know I'm getting the most per ounce of cheese. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Oh, good times. Good times (laughs) in that supermarket. Gosh. So yeah, he just walked through that a care in the world. But not, but but then, so I, but then he didn't actually have the money to back that up. (laughs) Yeah. So what's been, it's been interesting watching him grow his career as well. And I was able to help him focus on, you know, with what he wanted, with what he was hoping to accomplish mm-hmm. and start getting paid what he was worth, mm-hmm. which took him a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's certainly helped. But then also kind of getting a few lucky breaks, but earn. So what happened for me is like finishing my training contract. So... Every, every year my salary would go up, but then I had this opportunity to work abroad and to do so as a limited company. I don't know how much detail I should go no, into. No, no, I get it. Don't worry. No, yeah. but so because I wasn't an employee, I was able to have a tax, you know, deferred situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all legal, by the way. You yeah. can go and find out this information. Yes, absolutely. I'm an accountant. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was all like I was running my own business. And that was really, I mean, that was helpful because I had almost no expenses while I was living abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all covered by the law firm I was working for. And then I was just able to basically bank my paychecks. So that was, that made such a difference. And before we were talking, you were able to bank something else as well, which I think is quite important because this kind of like bridges the gap of like the money and the travel, like you was able to bank the money and something else. And can you explain about all of that when you was living in the hotel? Yeah, so I, when I was living in the hotel, I also was able, thank you, to bank these. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Could it be Marriott points? Yes. Um, so I was living in a Marriott in Zurich. Mm-hmm. Um, and for and actually for tax reasons, as someone who is not Swiss, you can't live in a hotel. Sorry, you can't live in an apartment or a flat in Zurich because of all these Swiss tax reasons. So I had to live in a hotel, which was basically my lifelong dream. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I loved it. I lived mm-hmm. room service every night. 
I I mean, this was this was my dream. Was that like, the good life? If for me, yes. I mean, I missed my husband well, at the time we were dating. So okay. I think it actually really helped us get um, engaged. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was gone all the time. Yeah. So instead of, uh, you know, being... So it, that was... It may have helped. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was the good life as well because I could really just concentrate on work. So I didn't have... I mean, it sounds... It sounds quite lonely, and in ways it definitely was. But I could just work and live, and like my whole living situation was taken care of, mm-hmm. and people clean my room every day, mm-hmm. and I was just able to work. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something I, for that period of life, I really just needed to do. And because, and at the time, so everything would go on on my Marriott account, and then I saved kind of a million Marriott points. Mm. which I had no idea what to do with and then was googling around for it found this website the points guy mm-hmm. and learned kind of the best ways to spend my Marriott points because did you understand because I think there are certain things like air miles and hotel points and like loyalty schemes that for somebody who had been in the position you were in before you moved into the hotel kind of is a bit daunting and you don't really understand the currency that it is until you're in a position where you need to spend it basically and you have to go and find out how to spend it so did you know before what they were or not really i think i definitely knew of with air miles i would try to accumulate them flying back and forth to the states but really my priority was always getting the cheapest ticket yeah and i think that that actually should still be people's priority most of the time really um yeah because it takes so long to accumulate all these miles and if you can get a ticket for 300 quid to miami it doesn't matter who it's with Mm -hmm. like just take it like pay the cash and go (laughs) like and but as opposed to paying twice that to get Mm -hmm. the certain air miles or something you have to really do the calculations um which is what i've learned to do but it's i i definitely didn't know i think i used my tesco club card and now I know, like, you can change those into audios to save oh. up for, you know, a BA holiday. Um, Note to self. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about it. Um, but what I was, what I looked at there um, was kind of the best family hotel with these points, and there was a place in Bali, um, and I was able to transfer the Marriott points into British Airways audios. So this gets a little geeky, um, but. I knew, okay, we can do this trip of a lifetime for actually not that much cash. So we flew to Hong Kong and then on an Air Miles ticket and then down to uh, Bali and then over to Singapore and back. And the hotels were mostly done with Air Miles, well, with Marriott points. Um, And so really, yeah, the cash we spent was not very much. I see. And then you had another baby. <laughs> yeah. So then I went, well, importantly, I went back to work. Yes. Uh, so you went back to work, you had another baby, and then you quit after you went back again. After I went back to work, after my second child, I went back to work. Was for that a... important for you to do? Was that the plan as well? It was definitely not the plan to quit. It wasn't the plan to quit? No. No? Because I, my plan was to get flexible working. Okay. Uh, which I did. And there was kind of a few, so I came back, I took over a year off with my second child Mm -hmm. and was back for six weeks. The company had been sold. Um, I was doing legal work um, for them still and started, things were going really well. They were restructuring and just kind of a few things came together that made me realize it was a good time to leave. And one of those things was that they were doing voluntary redundancy. So I was like, okay, is this the right time? And I think that's where financial freedom comes in is, can I walk away right now? I was, Mm. I was planning on working for another three years in like my plan. Okay. But then I thought, could I actually just move it up? You know, could we, um, could we make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, because we'd also been having childcare issues, which is the number one reason that women can't work. Always. Always. Yeah. 
And I thought, even as a woman from pri- I, it, it, with a privileged situation where I can pay people, they're still not showing up. So, so I don't know what to do. I mean, if yeah. I'm having trouble, I imagine everyone's having trouble. Yeah. And I don't have any family here. Mm-hmm. All my friends have kids and don't want another one kicking around. Um, that was really hard. So I was having issues with childcare, and that always, you know, pulls at you in this crazy way that. And also because London childcare is expensive and hard to find. Like proper good childcare. Yeah, and we were on all these waiting lists, but we weren't getting off of them. They're like, you should have been on these lists years ago. And I said, I know, like my first son was. We moved my first son from his nursery and then we lost the place for my second son. They were like, oh, he actually had a sibling priority place. Um, He's now back on the general list. Oh no, jeez. I know, it's it's cutthroat. So it's not in your favor and um, (laughs) So a few things came together and I just decided it was the right time in December, New Year. I was get I was starting to get opportunities with the travel writing. So I was going to ask you about this. You have done some collaborative pieces. Is that what you call it? I don't know what you call it. Well, I'm a contributor. Okay, so you you've done some contrib- contributing pieces yes. to the points guy and like can you say like a little bit about what you've done with them and like what they're about? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, they're a website that's about maximizing your travel and whether that, and mostly that's through airline points Mm -hmm. and kind of different loyalty scheme points. I mean, even if your Starbucks card and (laughs) just learning about, you know, air miles, hotel points, different credit card deals, you know, American Express, membership rewards, Tesco club card, your nectar points like literally loyalty schemes. loyalty schemes and kind of what mm-hmm. are those current those alternative currencies worth mm-hmm. and how do you collect those um instead of dollar you know instead of pounds or dollars mm-hmm. and get something that's worth a lot more or worth a lot to you without having to spend a lot for it mm-hmm. um so i started because i found them from when i was researching using my own points um, I started writing some parenting pieces for them and about our travels. Um, I started writing for them in December and with the lead up that they're starting a UK site in April at the end of the month. Oh, amazing. Really soon. Yeah. And you are called the triple passport because. So I am American and British. Mm hmm. And my husband's Norwegian, mm-hmm. so our children have three passports. Insane. And they, yeah, three nationalities. They're American, British, and Norwegian. Oh. So, and this is why you're called the Triple Passport. And they are very well traveled as well. They are. They've been to thirty countries combined. Wow. Between the what two is of them. your favorite place that you've ever traveled to, with or without them? Ever? I just feel like there's so many different. I mean, like Istanbul was great. Yeah. Uh, more. Marrakesh, for some reason, has really stayed with me. Really? That's a place I went in 2010. And before I had kids, actually, it might have been 2013. Now that I'm thinking about it. Because I remember I wanted kids at the time. I can, like, there's this whole, like, period of time because I also had a fertility journey. Mm-hmm. And coming back to that, the number one financial independence for me was, okay, now I'm going to cry, Aww. was I found out that... Uh, I could do IV that I was eligible for IVF and but because it was my second child I it would not be paid for by the NHS Mm -hmm. and I was able to just put it on my debit card on your debit card yeah that's big like yeah because I got a bonus that month from changing jobs and I had a 20k signing bonus Jeez, I know wild I know you got your second baby though I know so (laughs) So that was, I mean, that was thing when I was working is just, I mean, I'm still working, but when I was, everything was always looking for what's the next opportunity. Do you think that for you, because just from what you've said, it sounds like to me, your idea of financial freedom has not much to do with the monetary value, but a lot to do with the milestones. Like you were able to pay off like your lifelong debts or Mm. you were able to pay for IVF upfront or, you know, like. Those kind of things to me sound like 
like to use financial freedom it's almost like where your life is at based on where your finances are at yeah absolutely i mean it's it's getting you know when childcare was difficult and my job was shifting that i just left that career yeah uh, when before i would have never considered that i mean it, why would you give up this very steady and actually even leaving that job it was the right time to leave that job i would say more the financial freedom was saying why don't I wait a year mm -hmm. and really try this freelance life, see if I can make it work, and if not, then I'll go back to traditional employment. <laughs> you know, and that yeah. and that's really lucky that I have that degree and that life to fall back mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. But it was when I started interviewing, went to an interview, and the man I was speaking to interviewing with was like, okay, so you know, I told him kind of where I'm at and what's going on for me. He was like, okay, so you're saying if you weren't a mom, you could probably lead this department. But because you're a mom, like, you want to be, like, number two or number three. And I was like, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't put it that way. But, yeah. <laughs> you make it sound bad, but, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think you can say that, but yeah. you Kind but you of are. illegal, because if you don't hire me now, I'm going to sue you. So. <laughs> but just, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm... I mean, and what's one thing with leaving the a true corporate job is I think about all the rooms I was in where I was the only woman, and now I think there's no woman in that room. Damn. Like. That's so deep. Yeah, and that's hard for me, and that that couldn't be the reason I stayed because like I need to look at my personal situation. I wanted to be with my kids more, mm -hmm. um, but really, I mean really sticks with me do you feel like you have like a almost like a social responsibility in certain environments where you are the only woman or the only um person who's you know maybe self-made because like working in corporate environments most of these people are legacy kids and so you have just a different eye for certain things mm. do you feel like a bit of a responsibility or did you back then because obviously now like you changed things a lot I've actually felt that more in the creative world. Um, a lot of people in the corporate world are self-made. Okay. Um, because a lot of times it does, it, not everyone by any means. Mm -hmm. and, and there's, but you can kind of see, I, I always could find them <laughs> because there's a different way you work. There's like a different chip on your shoulder and you can kind of find each other. I find in the creative world, a lot of people have just been given the freedom to be able to do this job. Mm. to be able to do this work that yeah. is not always paid and to start with is not paid i found you could say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not that you have to have had a safety net but certainly and it's not that only privileged people are creative yeah it's obviously not true yeah, yeah, yeah but a lot of creatives especially who have made it have had a lot of backing Mm -hmm. I have found mm -hmm. so I can actually get a little bit more resentful in that world because I think gosh I could have been doing like I couldn't do this when I was 20 I couldn't do this when I was 30 because I was I had I to couldn't be, afford to I couldn't afford way. to yeah I couldn't <laughs> afford to live the dream I um, couldn't afford to be shilling my stories but now you can afford to and for those people who follow you they will know that you do um, on every holiday, no matter how like pristine it is, you always do a really, not even a really low end, but like low end slash affordable yeah. travel. And then you like splurge out and she's in the Four Seasons people. It is amazing. <laughs> that's, I'm not going to lie. That's the bit that I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait for the infinity pool and the floating crap. Like I can't wait for it. And your kids just look so free and chilled out. But you also do like Airbnbs and like more like the low end budget type of travel, um, which is, I guess, more accessible to most people. Why is it that you choose to do that instead of maybe doing like a mid range hotel for the whole holiday or doing a high end hotel for half of the, like for, sorry, for half of the time? Like why do you choose to break it down like that i like so i still want to get absolute value out of everything so i find when i'm in a high-end hotel i don't want to leave those grounds 
I don't even know if I want to leave the pool. Like <laughs> I'm there for the sea, for the things that you get from a really high end resort. Mm-hmm. So I love that experience, but then I also want to see a place. Like if I go to Bali, I still want to go and see some local places. I want to eat in local restaurants. And then for me, it makes so much more sense to be staying in an Airbnb or a one-star hotel or even a hostel of backpackers. I love hostels. Hostels are my favorite places. I think the only thing that I find hard about traveling with my daughter is that she needs like a hotel and a crib and aircon and like I thrived in those eight bed dorms. I don't know what it was about, (laughs) but literally I just had the time of my life. So I can't wait. It, It won't be long until my kids are old enough to stay in hostels, like proper backpackers. What's the age limit? For I don't that? know. There's no age limit. It's like what you're comfortable with. I'm sure plenty of them allow children. I should oh my gosh. Unexpected. But, but they'll love, they love bunk beds. Yeah. Kids like thrive from mm-hmm. bunk beds. So mm-hmm. to them, and that's actually what, so one was staying in a low, lower end, lower budget place. It's nostalgic for me because that's how I started traveling. Yeah. That's how you could first afford to do it. Yeah. And I loved it and I still love it. Um, Can't wait to bring the kid. So then also sometimes you get more of what you want or what you need. So in an Airbnb where you've got a kitchen, you can fit your friends, like you can have people come and I can still pay for it whether or not they come. Um, And that it's got parking and I rent a car and we drive around the island you know, when we're in the Seychelles, we're mm-hmm. driving around, we're finding secret beaches. We're doing all the stuff that I love doing traveling. Um, and that's why we kind of mix in that low, you know, the lower cost element of it. I also want my kids to see different ways of traveling. Mm-hmm. And as we do, as they get a little bit older, we can do more sustainable travel. We can do more visits to kind of local places and doing it in an ethical way. Because I'm definitely not up for it. Let's just go... Rolling tourism. Yeah. Doing it in the right way. Yeah. And do you think that um, you have any travel tips for families um, that are traveling on a budget or aren't traveling on a budget that you think are like, I wish I knew this when I first started traveling with kids? So the first one for me has been that it's become so liberating to go with the kids on my own. Yeah. Um... Because it took a, I think that you can, you can go on your own. So that's probably my, my first tip. So whether you're in a relationship or not, or, you know, and that before they're two, they're free. So like get going. Yeah. Because it's just tax you pay. Yeah. And, um, and if you're doing, for example, with British Airways on Avios, like you only pay 10% of the Avios yeah. and, t- and 10% of the taxes. So you can get an air miles ticket for yourself and then your lap infant is practically free. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that, and to go before they start school because this school stuff, this school calendar stuff is real. And <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, traveling during half terms, I'm already seeing kind of how crazy that is. But if you already have kids in school, it's looking at alternative destinations as well. So next February, we were looking at doing a ski trip in Europe the prices are more than if we fly and do a ski trip in Canada. Really? Yeah. What? Why? It's more to go to Chamonix in France than it is to go to Whistler. So in... I take it you're going to Canada. Yeah. We're going... <laughs> we might go to Denver. But oh, yeah, amazing. we're going to North America. Okay. Because it's because every single family that's traveling for a holiday that is a, a you know has a certain mindset is going to France or Switzerland. They that's where they go in February. But we could go to Sri Lanka and for less. This is very, very interesting. <laughs> so I think that's actually a fair point. That's something that I know personally um, because I'm Caribbean. So it's the summertime in the Caribbean Love when it. it is the winter in Europe um, and vice versa. So it's always cheaper to travel to the Caribbean and like Latin and Central America in the summertime than it is to go to like Southeast Asia or even Africa or um, Europe because it's the summertime, which I find really, really interesting. So I do know that. But their version of 
the with not winter like the rainy season it like rains for like an hour a day and then yeah. it's like the tropics i love going to the caribbean in june yeah. july august yeah that's that's when i went i, t- I took my daughter to panama at the end of june um and i went alone because i'm a single mom so you can do it it is doable <laughs> you just have to really accost people and ask for help and they will help you yeah. i find actually i find most of the time when traveling people are more helpful than in london like <laughs> i get more help like at an airport than i do on any tfl train like any day um and yeah so i went alone and it was it was tropical weather so it was warm but at the same time it was rainy so it was cool but you kind of don't care because you're on vacation and also when you have little kids you can i found that a lot of times the rain just magically went at nap time yeah and you're inside for a bit anyway or you just need to take a break from the sun you can't it's not the same in that you can sit out for 12 hours yeah 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 yeah. definitely and do you think that you will how do i put do you i guess no travel is a privilege so do you think that you will explain that to your children yes and what's but what i'm conscious of is not putting any well trying not to do any shame-based parenting whatsoever Mm-hmm. It's a privilege, but it's not a privilege they've chosen. Yes, that's and true. They were born into this life, and meaning that they have a mom who loves to travel, mm-hmm. uh, just like I could have some other hobbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that they don't have to be. I don't need to force gratitude on them for something that I've made them do. Mm-hmm. Um, we can definitely look at that. It is a privilege. They have a privileged life, but. It will kind of come with time how I continue to address that, but it's not, you know, that we wake up in the Seychelles and I say, you are the, you don't, <laughs> you you don't know how lucky yeah, you yeah, are. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. also I got a lot growing up of you don't know how lucky you are because mm. my mother had it a lot harder than I did. But that doesn't mean you had it easy. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a good point. And how early do you think it um, is too early to talk to kids about money? Because obviously you just said like you're not going to force gratitude on them. But at the same time, like when they grow up, they will meet like less fortunate people in the world. And obviously they're going to be aware of that. So how do you think you will... Yeah. And it's interesting now hearing you say back, like not force gratitude. I obviously want my children to be grateful. Yeah, 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 um, of course. In a wider sense. Um, there, I mean, there are things that I will... They're going to go to a very mixed inner city London school. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the privilege that it's an outstanding school, um, and so so they will be in a more mixed environment. But I'm very conscious of the privilege of that. Yeah. Um, of saying, oh, you know, to be a progressive white middle class parent and say like my kid goes to a mixed school. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm conscious of all this. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you know, that, oh, so I'm a super liberal because, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but what does that actually mean? Yeah, what does it mean if you still stay in a little group, mm. you know? Um, I think we're talking about money. We've, we've started talking about money with uh, my almost four-year-old. I certainly think once he's four. And in talking about the number one thing that we're already trying to teach him is where money comes from. Which is that money comes from work. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so it's like more about the bigger picture. Like, you get money because... Um, Though, we... So that's more for us. Like, where is it... When we go to pay for something, where did that money come from? Mm -hmm. It came from working. That's that's how that transaction takes place. So do you... Do you subscribe to the idea of... Not necessarily chores, but like... Like doing some, like earning, basically. Yeah, we're going to do like a commission program. I love this. Um, so some things you do absolutely because you're part of this family. You mm-hmm. don't just do work for money. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's, you know, a certain amount that we all contribute with cleaning up toys, doing that, hanging up your coat, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but then we will do that he's paid, I don't know, a pound a week or something or yeah. three pounds a week. Because then what we want to do is that each pot he'll have three pots and mm-hmm. it will be save spend and give 
mm-hmm. and that's how we divide our money. Because one mm-hmm. thing we actually haven't talked about is how much money we give away. Yeah. Um, because that is the biggest financial freedom and privilege mm-hmm. is to be able to start, you know, we try to give 10% of our income away and that it's the best part. Like, it's like so fun. I um, like the fact that you brought that up because before I started doing all of this, actually, you randomly sent me a message. I think we'd met once and you were like, I have also, because I was in uni at the time, you was like, I have also been a very struggling student. And like the fact that you're doing it with a baby, I respect it so much. And then you was like, send me your account details. I just want to send you something. And you asked me not to say anything, which I think is important. Mm. And you said to me, you know, like, I just don't really want anyone to know because obviously now we're sitting down talking about it, but this was nearly two years ago. It was like December, 2017. I'll say so a year and a half ago. Um, and it was around Christmas time. And I remember because you were like on holiday, but I remember you being like, you know, like this is such not a big deal. I just want to send it to you because also I understand like this would have helped me out in a certain time and blah, blah, blah. And is, is it important to you to just know that you're, providing or giving or helping other people or is it because you know that when you were in certain positions that would have helped you so it's both Mm -hmm. i mean i think there's a huge responsibility with money i think if you become in a position where you have some it's due to a heck of a lot of luck yeah a lot because i can have told this i mean i can't even believe i'm talking like that it, it just doesn't make any sense to me but no <laughs> anyway do you still sometimes wake up and look at like i don't know but your also, life or your bank balance and you're like how did we get here like well i kind of look but then see and my husband will be very surprised because i usually we do a a net worth statement every month mm-hmm. um to see kind of where we're at what's the change from last month you know we're trying to keep a business yeah for that part of it <laughs> You know, who's contributing what, what's going on, what are the account, what's the status, what's going on. And um, and I look at it and I often am like, I want that to be twice as much. No way. Yeah. Really? But I kind of, I think that sometimes I say things like that to motivate myself. Mm. But now I've tried to just be like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be people who have more and there's always going to be people who have less. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really grateful Let's give some of it away because that's fun. Mm. I mean, it's it is, I mean, it's the most fun. Yeah. Like I've set up a scholarship at my old school. Amazing. Um, you know, if if people if just something is inspiring, you know, there's no obligation mm-hmm. to do anything. We give money to our church, um, that christen the kids, mm-hmm. um, but not, you know, also that there's no obligation like. And is it important, because you've never spoken about any of this before, so is it important to you that this kind of stuff is more private for you? I'm now feeling like, well, because I haven't had the words and I'm very conscious of the discussion sounding a certain way or my the way I might come across, so... Yeah, you talk about the idea of privilege a lot. Yeah. Like, like every day you say something and afterwards you're like, I know that sounds like privilege, or I don't want that to sound privileged, or I have to think about this because this is a privilege. Like, it's something that you are very aware of. Yeah, and then I... But then maybe by saying that so much, you're sounding more privileged. So then, you know, saying like, I'm so privileged. I don't know. Like, I'm still... Yeah, you're still learning it. I'm still learning it. I don't... I personally don't think that you do come across as privileged but i think that you do come across as somebody who's definitely still readjusting to the new language that your life has brought like like the changes in your life bring about a new tone a new language a new like environment and it definitely sounds like you're still like adjusting to being in that space instead of like one that you are more familiar with quote unquote um because there was also a period of being like oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, look, I can go on holiday or like, you yeah, know, of course. and using it in using Instagram like that. Mm-hmm. Or gosh, I used to put stuff on Facebook mm-hmm. and like my friends from home being like, you look like a twat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just like, what the hell? What's yeah. happening? Like what's going on? Yeah. And so saying like, I'm excited, to, but at some point you, there's then more to it. I think, I'd, I obviously, like, I don't know, but I think for me, 
I see me being able to do this as a privilege and this job as a privilege. And I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying that I appreciate that I'm able to sustain my life by doing what I enjoy and what I love. But I also say this is very uncommon for anybody from where I'm from. And so part of the reason why I enjoy it so much is because I know that I'm lucky to do this. Do you know what I mean? And it's a very different type of situation. But it's that whole idea that like, this doesn't happen to girls like me. So if I'm going to be the one that it's happened to, for the rest of us, I'm definitely going to be like, this is amazing. I appreciate it. And I want to extend it and expand it, which is obviously what you're talking about. And by running your account and talking about, you know, finance as well as travel, because those two things for somebody who isn't in a strong financial position seem like light years away, mm. you, you kind of make it more personable. Well, I appreciate that. Because um, it's not how I started out thinking about it. It was yeah. kind of sharing about, you know how it is with Instagram. Like you start about sharing about your life and then you're kind of like, well, what is it that is different about me? And so those are the things that are like the, the struggle financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also kind of trying to get time with my kids, trying to support myself um, through this. Because I mean, there, there's also that I do have another parent that's completely in the picture. My, mm-hmm. you know, I'm married. Um, but one thing we haven't really talked about is it was interesting that last year I kind of, <laughs> but I, I bought myself a house in the United States mm-hmm. where I just wanted to ha- I just want to have this house that I know I could go live in with my kids on my own and pay for it. If mm-hmm. God forbid anything happens, I know I've got this kind of, it's not even a backup plan a backup life. It's just this. You have a house. I, I you own a house. In yeah. Your in own my name. name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Okay. I get that. Trust so, me. It's amazing that my husband gets that because oh, he, he gets it. He, he gets, he doesn't get it, mm-hmm. but he gets that. I feel that way, that this was something that was going to bring me comfort mm-hmm. and was going to make me feel more settled mm-hmm. and that I feel as a mother, I've seen enough relationships break down. I've seen enough of life happen. You know, I've had early losses in my life. There's no guarantee that the two of us are going to be together, that he's going to be around, that I'm going to be around. Who knows? Like, it's life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just made, it just helps me sleep at night. <laughs> it's like, Do you, this is actually. And it's an investment as well. So let's, let's know that I've rented that place out and there are people living in yeah, it. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I was going to say, this is my final question, actually. Do you feel like the attitude around the conversation of money needs to change because I think part of the reason why I enjoyed speaking to you so much was because we had a conversation about financial independence and you are married and you are middle class and I am single and working class so having this conversation and you being like even though I have my own husband and all of these things I still feel like financial independence as a woman is very important especially as a mum and 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 that isn't a rhetoric that I think is popularly or popular in terms of like openly being shared mm-hmm. it might be something that people agree with behind closed doors but do you think that the conversation needs to change i i think that you definitely have to be in tune with it because there's also the gotta be able to, you just don't know what life's gonna throw at you mm-hmm. and so i think for um I think that a lot of women who are financially supported by their partners do worry about it. Like, what would happen if? Even, you know, who, whether you have to stay in a relationship that you don't know is best, mm-hmm. but that's how you've set up your life financially. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me. You know, that again, talking about financial freedom. So, yes, I think the conversation needs to be out there. I don't think necessarily that financial independence, it doesn't have to mean separate accounts and separate lives. Mm. Because I think it's really important to have a shared a shared family account. Um, it depends on the situation. But for us, it's really important because certainly 
I'm not going to be someone who says, oh, can I have 300 pounds to pay for the kids' football things for the next Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. two years or whatever it is. There's no, like, allowances going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, yeah, so shared family account's really important. Um, And also just because it it goes back to trust as well. Mm. Um, But I think the conversation, yeah, it just needs to be continued. Okay, now I have, like, one more question. Okay. And then we're done. (laughs) Did you you have to learn to trust yourself with money before you could trust your husband with your money? Because I don't trust nobody with my money, and... I don't know if I ever will, and I just wonder if if that's something that changes, or is it is it when your relationship with your money changes that you are able to like open it up a bit more? Yeah, I still trust my. I actually trust myself less. Okay. Then I trust him with his one. The the thing with my partner is that once he's on a plan, he completely sticks to it. Oh, yeah, you did say. Okay, so he's not going to deviate. No, and so Uh, actually now I have started to evolve in the way I think. From that original plan I talked about, mm -hmm. I actually work a different plan now because Mm -hmm. things have changed. Um, I've read more things. I've kind of involved using credit card points, and I trust myself with a credit card now, while for years and years I did not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's like, wait, but we said no credit cards. Now you're you're writing about credit card points and miles, <laughs> and like what? So it's um, I do yeah. So that's one thing. Um, but I think it is important to also put built-in boundaries. I mean, you've got to have boundaries. Yeah. Like I still can't. I don't know. There are just certain things like I would pay because I believe so much in experiences over things. I'll buy any. There's like I would buy every plane ticket. <laughs> so I have to put a lot of yeah but there's other things that you wouldn't splurge on in the same way no I mean you won't see me buying really expensive clothes and stuff but that's yeah. maybe that's something I should invest in you know rather than who knows mm. like it's it's all how you spend your money says so much about where your values are amazing well on that note we're gonna end but thank <laughs> you for talking to me if people want to find you what is do you have a website or is it just an Instagram? Uh, I do have a website. Okay. It's triplepassport.com. Oh, amazing. And yes. your Instagram is? On. Is at triplepassport. Awesome. Well, thank you for speaking to me. Right. Thank you for having me. So that was the lovely Kathleen from Triple Passport. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation and I hope you guys did too. As always, we end with a story of a woman who has previously submitted it onto our Instagram feed. But before we do that, I'd just like to talk to you about a few things that are happening this week over on the Make Motherhood Diverse Instagram feed and blog. So uh, one of those things is that we are theming this week actually and it's all about money um and you probably would have noted that from the conversation that you just listened to with kathleen and also from erin's takeover tomorrow another thing that will be happening which i would suggest you keep your eye out for because i think it's going to be actually pretty informative is the make motherhood diverse blog which is makemotherhooddiverse.com will also have a piece up all about Uh, finances and family Um, and the reason for that is because there was an uh, Instagram question I don't know what you call it Instagram question box thingamajig that was put out and um, we asked you guys to send in your concerns what you wanted to know about money any advice you had about money uh, any queries um, literally just anything to do with family and money and we got a ton of responses back so what we wanted to do is we've put in the most asked questions so the FAQs about family and finance and also the most given pieces of advice um, and I think that's going to be a pretty good piece so on that note I am now going to read you the piece of a woman who is talking basically about being a freelance mum and what that's like. Six weeks after giving birth to Malachi, I had to go to Holland to purchase plants for the shop. I cried so much when I had to say goodbye to Malachi for two nights, but I knew he was being looked after by my wonderful husband and I had to get Christmas stock for the shop. 
When I was in the nursery surrounded by beautiful plants, I really enjoyed myself and remembered how much I loved to do what I do. But still, I wished I didn't have to do it right then. And that's the downside of being self-employed. Maternity leave is kind of a myth, as I can't totally switch off. But the positive is that I can be in control as to if or when I go back to work full time. Many people message me telling me not to work so soon or questioning why I was. But I am the sole owner of my business. I have an amazing shop manager, but there are still things I must do, like stock buying or the accounts or covering shifts due to staff shortages. Now the shop is closed for over two weeks, so I can switch off for a bit and be super lazy. I just wanted to share this as a testimony to dispel the belief that it's impossible to be a business owner, freelance, self-employed and have a family. It just looks different to society's norm and might require a bit more support and planning, but it can work. I know so many others who own businesses. Also, enjoying your work doesn't have to make you a bad mum. We are still allowed to have an identity and not feel guilty or shame for providing for your family and remaining ambitious and driven. Let's undo society's extreme pressure and expectations applied to women and just live. And that was from Bobel, who is the owner of Prick London. We've come to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening to Make Motherhood Diverse, the podcast. Don't forget that we have a takeover tomorrow. So go and check out Erin over at No And Row blog. Um, also, the blog post will be up later on in the week. So keep an eye out on the Instagram page because that's where all of the announcements will be. I have been your host. My name is Remy Sade. You can find me on Instagram at booksbabyandback. You can find Make Motherhood Diverse on Instagram at Make Motherhood Diverse. Please send all and any submissions to be featured on this podcast to mmdpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Goodbye.